Now, News Talk Radio, CJAD 800 gives you Solo in the City with Cheryl Vesner. This is your guide to getting social and finding love in Montreal. Welcome to Solo in the City on CJAD 800. I'm Cheryl Besner, your dating coach and founder of Solo in the City, and I'm pleased today to welcome a new co-host to Solo in the City's station of love. It's none other than CJAD's weather specialist and, very important, community activist, Irma Linda Boker. Welcome. They, I am. I am so thrilled to to be here. Uh, this is such a fun and exciting and participatory participatory show that I just made that word up. Uh, that, <laughs> we make up lots of words we, on we, this show. We're, we're going to have a lot great. of those. Watch Got my own dictionary. <laughs> but no, it's it's great. Uh, I just I love the involvement that you you take to everybody out there, and it's just it's it's fun. It's like a boomerang show. Stuff goes out, stuff comes back. So I am thrilled to be sitting in the guest host seat today. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, you know, for anybody um, who missed it, we we met actually at the St. Paddy's Day Parade a couple of weeks ago, and um, we just kind of instantly connected. Oh, right? it's girlfriend click. I saw this girlfriend tall drink click. of water over there, and I went, wow. <laughs> oh, I, I, I was looking at it more that we were warming each other. Because <laughs> no. it was cold that day. No, but um, I just, I, I love your sparkle in your life, and, and I really like what you're doing. Um, I find sometimes, you know, like a lot of single people, that uh, dating can be sort of scary and ex- and it's not exactly inclusive, and there seems to be so many hurdles, but... You oh, seem yes, you there's have, a lot of them. But you have a new formula, and I, I like what you do because what you do is you make people in charge of their own destiny, and you're not a guru. You're a facilitator, and, and I enjoy that, giving the people the tools they need to get things for themselves, I think, is one of the, the greatest blessings you can do out there. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. You know, they talk about archetypes, and you, you really um, benefits you to know who you are, and I've always appreciated the fact that people felt that I was a connector and I think I am and that's kind of what I wanted to do with Solo in the City was help people connect and uh, not just in their love life to other people. Yes, that is the underlying tone of Solo in the City but first we have to connect with ourselves. I mean that's the most important thing and then we connect to other people and hopefully for some of us if it's a relationship we connect to that relationship and during that whole process there's times where we have to connect to experts. And, and you and I have had conversations about the fact that, you know, some people shy away from the, the idea of using a matchmaker or seeing a dating coach and talking to people about the hurdles that we have when we re-enter the dating world or we're in it for the first time. I mean, 20-year-olds are having huge problems connecting with, with their peers and finding love. So that's really was the intent of Soul in the City was to help you connect on all these levels. Well, here's the thing. I figure, you know, you're very picky about, like, you know, if you need your teeth fixed or you need your car fixed, you know, you, you, you look for someone who you believe is is qualified and can help you because you're not going to fix your teeth by yourself. And I believe that having a dating coach is very important, too, because, you know, when I was growing up, the, the, the rule sort of was you become what the other person, you think the other person wants you to be, whereas that doesn't work at all you, to attract the right person to you. You have to be yourself. But sometimes we don't always know. It's a cliche, but we don't always know who we are. No, we don't. And and sometimes we think we're a certain person or we know who we are. And then this is what happens, especially when it comes to marriage. 
we become what we think we're supposed to be in yeah. society. Um, we become who we think our husbands want us to be or our wives and who their family thinks that we should be. And then we have children and then it's how to behave within the school atmosphere. I know. I went through it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you a funny story, okay? <laughs> okay. I, I was a, um, a working mom. I was in the fashion industry. I did not necessarily fit into the, the realm of the private schools. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of the moms at the school where my, my daughter went to school were, were you know, they, they all knew each other and everybody kind of, you know, helped each other with fashion and things like that. And here I was like coming in from like a completely different area. But I do remember this one time I walked into school. It was my son's school and I wanted to fit in and I had to go to the principal's office. And I walked in with my ex-husband and she greeted us and asked us to take a seat. And I had taken a look around. And here I am trying to be very elegant and very, you know, private school mom to all together. And I look behind me and I see a chair and a plant and a chair. And I think I've positioned myself to sit in the chair. And there I went. But first into the plant. <laughs> <laughs> And ended up on the floor. Oh. Not so elegant, you know. Oh. And I have to tell you, I've done kind of creepy things or, or, or you know, um, blunderous things like that. That's human. Yeah, on, on dates. And you know what you do? You pick yourself up, you brush yourself off, and you laugh at it. Oh, right? absolutely. 100%. You got to find you. You know, it's funny. I've I've been single for a while, and um, you know, when you start again, it's weird. I don't know whether it's harder when you're young and you're just starting out, or if you've been with someone before and then you're alone for a long time. And you know, it's it's just it's weird. There's a there's a self awareness, but then there's also a self consciousness, and I I find that to be funny, just to to find humor in things is very helpful in dating, and also too. To just really be yourself because that you, you have a better chance, um, and I'm not certainly not an expert, but I think you'll have a better chance of, of, of really connecting with someone than if you put all these layers and veneers and facades on because you're gonna they're gonna come off. Oh, hundred percent. I remember going on dates and things and oh I love NASCAR. It's my favorite. <laughs> Bullfighting. Oh come on. Seriously, I hope I get the ear. You know <laughs> Well yeah, how many how many people do you know that when they're dating one person, all of a sudden they love biking and then they break oh, yeah. up and then the next person is into golf and oh golf it's the best thing, you know? And yet then it's it's I don't know curling and they can't even stand on ice or and and it's like that movie the Runaway Bride where oh, she didn't yes. know what eggs she liked to eat right so yes a hundred percent we have to own ourselves and and I think a lot of times we do tend to sometimes lose ourselves in a relationship and then when you're divorced and the relationship ends or you've been in a long term and it just ends you have to reclaim that. You know, and and I remember, you know, I, I've had some of my friends for 20 some odd years. Right. And when I got divorced, I said to them, you know, somebody told me that they think I changed since I hmm. got divorced. And my girlfriend of 20 some odd years, um, actually, I'm lying. We're friends 40 years. Okay. Go, girl. <laughs> you go, girl. I love you, Joy. Anyway, um, she looked at me and she goes, no, Cheryl, you haven't changed. You've gone back to who you were Bravo. when we were teens, you know? So, and it wasn't just because of my marriage that I changed. It was society and what I felt that I had to do. And um, we're actually going to do a show like that later um, in uh, next month, actually, all about um, women kind of falling off the fence. Um, so it's going to be 
It's going to be a very interesting show. And today's show also is kind of about, you know, different things that we have to adapt to and change. Um, we're going to be talking today about dating and surviving things like cancer and, 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 you know, the types of challenges that illness can bring into our dating life. So, you know, that's going to be, um, I think, very enlightening for a lot of people because especially, I can tell you right now, there are so many people I know struggling with different illnesses and they're single and they don't know how to bring that in and out of their dating world. That's really important because, you know, it, whether you're with someone who has an illness, mm-hmm. you know, there there has to be a certain amount of empathy, but, but how much can you really do? And then if you're the person with the illness, you can either feel really vulnerable because you're at a very tough time in your life, or perhaps you feel it's the best time to be fearless because everything's so open-ended. So this is going to be a great show. It is going to be a great show. And obviously, you know, it is Daffodil Month here in Montreal. The Daffodil Ball, the biggest fundraiser um, for the Cancer Society, was this past week. Um, so really looking forward to exploring it. We have great experts coming on and people who contribute to the um, the world of helping people through this process. So I think it's going to be a great show and timing is right coming up next we'll talk about intimacy and cancer with a breast cancer survivor and she's also a somatic practitioner you're listening to solo in the city on cjad 800 This is Solo in the City with Cheryl Vesner on News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. A bird with a word came to me. This is your guide to relating, dating, and mating. Welcome back to Solo in the City with my guest co-host again, Irma Linda Boker from CJAD. Absolutely thrilled to be here and very excited about our next guest. I know. Well, um, Lynn Creedon has been on the show before. She is a breast cancer survivor, so it's very relevant to today's topic. She's also a somatic practitioner, and she's the founder of LifeWorks New York and co-creator of the Erotic Goddess Workshops, which is perfect about talking about owning our sensuality through treatments and everything that is associated with cancer treatments and new relationships so welcome to the show linda how are you hi i'm fine thank you so much for inviting me well it's great and um you know Linda and i have had a lot of conversations about this topic and everything so first i just want to go into a little bit of about your practice um and how it relates to women especially that um are going through cancer treatments and budding relationships or relationships that they're already in so tell us a little bit about when somebody approaches you, how your work starts. Well, um, I, I, I work in general with a lot of women, so and I work uh, with women from all walks of life, uh, going through all types of things, cancer being one of them, um, uh, sexual abuse being another. Um, and I, I find, uh, I'm probably going to say, like, when there, there's different stages through the process, from diagnosis through treatment, um, and then after. Um, so um, when I'm working with them from diagnosis through treatment, there's a, a very uh, large um, focus really on them trying to uh, stay kind of present in their body and try to mediate a lot of their fear and uh, to get them to stay grounded and just kind of take the next step. 
it's difficult enough when we're, you know, just going through the treatment, but also when it comes to a new budding relationship and you know that there's going to be not only the physical scars, let's say, of what you were saying, you know, uh, relationships that are abusive, these are also physical changes that are going to affect your appearance as well as how you feel mm-hmm. about yourself, right? Yeah. So how you do... You and, and a lot... I'm, I'm going to say, like, if, if, you're, if you're in a, a new relationship... And this happens, you know, it depends. It really depends on, on where you are in the relationship and how you are with yourself in it. If you're um, not in a relationship, that's a whole different other story. So, and being with what's going on with your body and then trying to navigate a relationship at the same time can be um, scary. I think it must be um, a little scary. I think it must be also a really good, I don't want to say test of character, but I've I've had friends who have been diagnosed with different kinds of cancer, and there's actually a couple of them who were with a friend, a male friend, who helped them go through that process, and during that process, they became really close and ended up Mm -hmm. dating, and it was like, because there's such an intimacy and such a vulnerability when you're Mm -hmm. sick, I imagine that going Mm -hmm. through this with someone can actually through the circumstances, take off all the levels of boundaries and borders and really open you up to something that could be very special. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, you know, when you're going through, you know, when when you're being diagnosed and you're going through the, the treatment, a lot of what is going on in your life kind of falls away. And you, you start to really kind of get more in touch with yourself and what's really important to you. And with somebody going through that process with you, it is very vulnerable. And and it can be very, very um, contactful. It can get get really deep contact. Um, And it it can be really wonderful. A lot of women that don't don't want, uh, the women that I work with, some of them that are going through treatment, they don't want people around them. So if they're in a new relationship, sometimes they don't want that. You yourself, Lynn, are a cancer survivor, right? And you were uh, mm-hmm. and single. And so, how did it mm-hmm. how did it affect you at the time? Like, were you starting to pull back as well from being online and trying to meet new people, or did you embrace where you were at the moment and just continue on? Um, you know, it was a really. Uh, I'm going to say my my experience for me was a very inward journey. So I was not, um, I think I, I was just starting to get back online and it did not feel comfortable for me. So I decided to step off. I did meet somebody in that, in that initial phase and he was supportive, but um, I really, you know, for, for me and what I was going through, I really wanted to do, uh, it was a very internal process and I didn't want to be in a certain way, distracted by someone outside of me. I was taking care of people around me because they wanted to help me, but they didn't know how. So in a new relationship, like with this new guy that I was starting to date, he kept on trying to help me, but he wasn't getting to know me. So it became about the cancer and not about me. So do you think in that process that people are trying to to really find the real you, or are they only seeing the the person that's going through a challenging moment in their time? They, no, they, they, they have great compassion for what you're going through, and a lot of them, and, and they want to really help. 
but it becomes, my experience was it became about helping me through cancer, not about who I am and being with me. It became about more about the cancer and about the illness. So that didn't work for me. So what is your advice for for women who are either going through treatment, who just had a diagnosis, and they maybe are in a relationship, or perhaps they're they're sort of for, there's one that's sort of in the offing. How do you how do you deal with this, and how with either your potential partner or the person you're with? How do you go through that process to separate the caring part from the just loving me for me without my condition? Um, you know that's a really good question. And um, let me see how I can answer it. Uh, I, w- I would say that the people that are going through the, through through the, the process be as like deeply honest as possible and as vulnerable as you can get. And when if you get into the place where you feel that it's becoming about the illness and not about yourself, you get to say that, right? Um, it it helps you you get more intimate in your relationship if you can say what you're feeling say all your feelings so if it feels that it becomes some people don't really realize that that it becomes more about the cancer than about themselves they do, you just need to keep on being open 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 like if you can really get deeply connected into your invitation for yourself and then for the other person but i have to say that when you're going through treatment when you're, you've been diagnosed and going through treatment it's it's a very um, internal process, a lot left over to give to somebody else in a certain way, except just to be as open as possible. And that's an invitation, and, and you think that the invitation has to come from you to the other person, and the other person has to be invited in, or they have to kind of just step into it? Well, it, you know, it depends. I mean, you can, inv- you know, some of this is to, to absolutely invite them in. Um, into your process if if you feel that they're not with you. Most people want to come in and they want to help and they don't understand how. And if they're uncomfortable, you need to mediate that discomfort. Right. Right? And, and explain to them and be with them and just kind of show them your heart. And, and that's what I, it's all about, showing that, somebody that your heart. It really works. Right. You know? Well, but then, it's, it's a big process for somebody that's going through that kind of, um, you know, illness. You know, a, a deep self, self-exploratory self process as well. And that's really what it's all about. Lynn, I really want to thank you so much anyway. for coming in and sharing uh, your story with us and as well the work you do that is so, you know, directly connected to who you are and what other people are going through. So um, thank you very much for joining us, and um, mm. I hope to have you on again soon. Thank you that was really Lynn- for inviting me. It was really great to be with you guys. Thank you. That was Lynn Creedon, a breast cancer survivor and founder of LifeWorks Network and co-creator of the Erotic Goddess Workshops. Next, two very inspiring young women are going to be joining us in studio who uh, have stories to tell us. You're listening to Solo in the City on CJAD 800. Solo in the City with Cheryl Besner on News Talk Radio, CJAD 800.
This is your guide to getting social and finding love in Montreal. You're listening to Solo in the City on CJAD. And it's time for our Solo in the City roundtable. And joining me again is Irma Linda. So I'm really excited to introduce these two women because they are both fantastic, fantastic spiritual and really great connectors and um, I'm so excited that they're going to be sharing their story with us. So the first person that I want to introduce is Nally Augustine. She was diagnosed with breast cancer at 24 and she shared her experience through social media and her blog. She also is the author of the e-guide Chemo Secrets and initiated hashtag feel it on the first movement which by the way I'm going to ask everybody to do today. I'm telling you all hashtag feel it on the first movement. Take a picture of yourself touching your breast. This is all about breast cancer. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on. And we're going to get to your story in a minute. I also want to introduce Karen Malkin Lazarovitz. I got it right. I'm so excited for myself. <laughs> now, um, Karen, uh, she is not a cancer survivor. You're a, um, well, you call yourself a, a previvor yeah. because you were diagnosed with the BRCA. Two, correct? Yeah, bracket two mutation. Yeah, and um, you had a double mastectomy. And um, the interesting part of today's roundtable also is that we're all coming from this from very different uh, points of view. Uh, Irma Linda, single and an activist for the community. Um, Nally, you met your significant other when you were diagnosed. Well, you were friends and you were diagnosed and he helped you through it. And you weren't exactly. in a relationship yet. And you, Karen... You're married, yep. children, yep. and you went through this entire process. So we're here today talking about how we kind of go through different stages of you know, recovery or going through the process in general and dealing with our personal and um, very private, intimate sides. So let's start with you, Nally, and um, give us a little bit of a background on what it felt like for you. What it felt like to be in a relationship uh, with cancer or what it felt like to be diagnosed overall? Um, well, you know, we're, we are a little bit about relating, dating, and mating. So let's just, um, the first part has to be completely um, heart-wrenching, but also having somebody, because in your case, you were not in a relationship with this person other than friendship and how it developed. Exactly. So to me, um, when I, I was just dating V at the time, but I had just gotten out of a pretty bad relationship where I guess this is an open space. I got cheated on. And so I was completely traumatized with the opposite sex. <laughs> I did not trust anybody. So I had a lot of barriers that were up. And then I there was this guy, my boyfriend, who wanted to be with me, but I was just I just wasn't ready. So we were kind of dating, and then boom, the breast cancer diagnosis happened in 2013. And so it was, to me, I thought it would have been the perfect moment for him to really just walk away, you know, like, the, who knows, there's just so much that happens, the woman's body's going to change completely, you don't even know what the future holds, so I thought perhaps he didn't want to be with me anymore, but instead, he actually went through the extra mile, and, uh, he was with me the whole way through. He accompanied me to all my treatments, and he was my driver who took me to all my doctor's appointments. So I guess, to me, it was really like a big relationship test 
a big life test. Once the, the person, biggest, yeah. Yeah, if the person's there for you throughout that toughest moment of your life, then he'll be there for you for the rest of your life. So that's when all my barriers really broke down and um, I was able to, to trust and love again. Which is kind of different for you, Karen, because you, you, you were married, so you kind yeah. of expect your husband, but yet that's not always the case for people, right? It's not always the case. I had a two and a four-year-old and um, found out in 2008 that I carried this BRCA mutation, which put me at an 87% chance of breast cancer. And so my husband was very supportive. I had been also in a previous relationship prior to meeting my husband who walked out on me eight weeks before the wedding. So I had always uh, been a little bit hesitant after that as well. So was there a fear in you at all when you had to go to your husband and say, you know, this is what's going to be you know, I kind of, like Nally, I sort of put my husband to the test while we were dating, and I, I stayed cautiously optimistic. So when we when I found out about this mutation and I spoke to him about it, his, his first words to me well, was, obviously, it's a no-brainer. You're going to do this because that's who you are, and you're going to be healthy for your family and for your children. So he was extremely supportive. And like Natalie's boyfriend, went with me to all of my appointments and all of my MRIs because you have to go through a whole bunch of pretests first. And he was really um, such a driving force of support. So I felt like he really had my back. And that's not always the case. In so many instances, husbands and boyfriends don't stick around. And so I wasn't afraid, thankfully, but there's always that little nagging doubt in the back of your mind or of course, because the divorce rate is so high. Well, what happens if? And especially, you know, there are changes in your body, right? I mean, besides the fact that you're dealing with something that's life-threatening, afterwards, during and afterwards, there are changes. Huge changes, and you don't look the same. It's not a breast job, as some people might think it is. It's really removal of breasts and rebuilding them. And you, aside from dealing with your own emotional feelings about how you look physically, you worry about what your partner's going to think. They marry you looking one way, and then you go through this huge event in your life, and you hope that they will still see you for who you are. And you've both really embraced, I I know both of you have really embraced the change in your body and dealt with, you know, the the surgeries that falling. I mean, for you, um, Ermelinda, would you tell somebody if you had just started dating somebody about what you're going to go through or would you hold back? I think I think it would be only it would be fair to myself to see if this person is emotionally and spiritually capable because it's those two things that it's emotionally and spiritually and 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 secondly I I wouldn't want to be dishonest. I actually just wanted to make a comment because when the microphone was off during the break you and I were having this conversation about being yourself 100%. And the thing that struck me with both of you incredible ladies, and you can each make a comment on this, uh, perhaps you Karen first, but we are more than our body parts. We are so much more than that. We are more than our jobs, you know. So when something like this happens, I, I know for me, my greatest fear as well, if I if I lose my breast, I stop being who I am. But you are, neither one of you, you are so much greater because who you really are comes out. Exactly. I think that you're sort of put yourself to the test. I've always really been a strong person and thankfully in my adult life at least not really cared so much about what people have thought about me physically. Um, 
And so I just feel that I, I have to be true to who I am. And breasts, although they are such a, an important part of today's society, really do not define me. Well, because we're, we're looking right now at breast cancer, but there's so many different but, kind of cancers. And, and Nali, one of the things is that you not only took it, but you took it right from step one and helped other women look at all the different aspects of their physicality, but also their relationships. Um, what kind of drove you to pick up that blog and that mic and, and start chronicling your journey? Right from well, the beginning. Exactly. I, to me, it was important. I was in my mid twenties. I had just graduated in communications. I, I had just auditioned to be the new Much Music uh, VJ, <laughs> and this was something I loved to do. And my main challenge was for it to not uh, to change my personality and who I was as a person, like that really um, uh, sociable and extroverted person that I was. I did not want cancer to change me. So I gave my that, myself that challenge right off the bat. And video blogging and social media was always something that I loved to do, so I stuck to it no matter what my body was going through. I put myself um, on camera. And um, in terms of body image, that's, that, again, was a huge challenge. I, I, told, I, I didn't want to wear a, um, a wig because, to me, it was denying what was happening to me. So I rocked the bald head. And, <laughs> and you did I, rock it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you so much. you know what? Um, this is so amazing, this conversation. I do not want it to end. So for anybody out there listening right now, you go to stolenthecity.tv, check out the podcast. We are going to continue this conversation because it's not enough time. We just haven't had enough time. So you are now listening to Solo in the City on CJAD 800. Coming up, we're going to talk about what's going on in the city. Welcome back, everybody. This is your guide to getting social and finding love in Montreal. But today we are talking about how to find love during very challenging times. And we, um, well, myself and my co-host today, Irma Linda, um, we are being joined by Nellie Augustin and Karen malkin Lazorovitz, both who are bloggers and advocates for people who are going through cancer um, and um, also how they dealt with their love lives. And just before we get back to our guests, because they're incredible, I have to say, I, uh, listening to them talk, I am less afraid of dealing with this issue because there there is so much fear. And, but I see, because it's not only the that everything that you're going to go through, but the fear of losing yourself. And I see two women who have been through the the mill. And 100%. not only are they stronger, but they are more beautiful, more engaging, and, and, and incredibly powerful. You are you are terrific role models, and I'm just I'm thrilled to be talking with you guys today. Oh, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so so let's throw it back to you, Nelly, for a minute. Um, now, Viv, so V was um, from what I've read and seen about the two of you. You were friends. You worked together, and uh, each of you, significant others, you realize that you have cancer you're friends and through that you fall in love and he's there for you and even helps you now with your blog and all your videos right yeah exactly he has a social media agency called overground so he, he helps me uh, build my my online business so how do you think that in this particular case it changed the relationship you might have had or not had with somebody um, I really believe that our relationship is unconditional and we're really there to support each other. We're, 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 a, we're a team. We're partners. 
um, whether it's for if it's illness or if it's business, we know that we have each other's back. And what about for you, Karen? I I think the same thing. It really kind of puts everything into perspective. It's easy to stress about the little things in life, about jobs, about friends, about your physical appearance, you're too fat, you're too thin. But when you're dealing with a health issue, and I'm grateful that I, I never had to deal with the cancer aspect of it, but when you're dealing with such a, a huge decision and dealing with removal of your breasts, and I mean, I also removed my ovaries and my uterus, so we dealt with those issues in regards to family and if our family was done, it puts everything in perspective and we've grown stronger. I mean, we are very, very close. And part of that was seeing how he supported me and my decisions through all of this. Never once told me what to do, never once gave negative feedback, was just my rock when I needed it and my support when I needed it. And we're a real fabulous team. And through that, my children see as well that you can accomplish anything and you can survive anything and you can be you can divine yourself however you want to we we had a guest earlier on um, from New York City actually Lynn Creedon uh, from LifeWorks Network and she was talking about the fact that it, there has to be an invitation, especially for people who are not in a relationship or who have just met somebody, about giving an invitation to somebody to come into that space. Um, how do you feel about that, Karen? I guess everybody handles it differently. I've sort of always put myself out there because there's so many people who just are not comfortable talking about it. So if there are those voices that are able to speak for others, it allow it allows people to start a conversation. I don't feel anyone ever needs to be invited into the conversation. I always say I'm an open book. Mm -hmm. My husband always says I never met a conversation I didn't like. Right. So, <laughs> so to me by being vocal, and I'm sure Natalie feels the same way, if you put yourself out there, it's because you want people to approach you and not feel intimidated by you. And so that's the only way to sort of bridge that gap of being afraid to start a conversation. Now, Natalie, exactly. for you, for you, Natalie, you know, you, you are diagnosed, you start your treatments. And, and my curiosity is also, you know, when you start developing, developing a relationship with somebody, there is a sexual component to it, yet that, that sexual side of you changes yeah. right Definitely. so you you've got to find the balance of well how do you start um, incorporating an intimate relationship into this supportive loving relationship yeah definitely it, it was definitely hard but that's where you realize that relationships are far more than just sex and um the the drive that you get from sex or the pleasure that you get i also got it and just the way that he would be there to take care of me and um, the moments that we'd have together, you know, thinking that perhaps, like, we don't know how long we have left together was probably the, the, the adrenaline that replaced, you know, like, the, the sexual aspects of the beginning of a relationship. We're all sitting here right now getting goosebumps. Yeah. And we all we all kind of like got a chill up our spine, and Karen's like rubbing her arms, and Melinda is just like sitting, oh. or, or Melinda is just sitting there looking at the, uh, the I, speaker, shaking her head. I, you know, it's interesting because when we were talking to our earlier guest, I, 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 I don't know because I haven't been through this, but I thought, you know, what you're saying now is there is a, it's weird. It's a certain fearlessness because you are in this moment. You don't know what's going to come ahead. So in many ways, all of those fears and the vulnerability. I would like to think that if I were to go through that, that I would react like you did, which is to like, let's 
experience this. This is an extraordinary yeah. moment. And just take it. Live in the moment. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But by the same token, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier, that um, in general, um, men and women, especially people who are coming out of long-term relationships or a little bit older, our bodies have changed. So, you know, sometimes we think, oh, we shouldn't start dating until um, we've lost 10 pounds. Or we oh, should, you know, exactly. yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, and then I said, well, then imagine our guests today, you know, yes. because there's not just whether you can lose a pound or 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 you know absolutely change yeah. your hair color we're talking about your whole yeah. body has yeah. changed yeah. and there's you have to embrace it right yeah and my boyfriend loved my bald head <laughs> he kissed it every morning before he left no he really he actually admitted that what made um me attracted to him was my confidence. So that if I was going out rocking the bald head and I was confident and I was the same person, same personality, he thought that was even, that was sexier than my the long hair I used to have. Uh, I can't agree more. Yeah. I mean, it's all, that's a, it's about owning who we are at exactly. the moment and being ready for whatever comes our way right yeah because i mean beauty in essence is how you feel about yourself and project yourself outward it's not about your physical appearance sometimes when my husband and i are intimate you know he'll touch my fake breasts and he'll look at me and say you can't feel that can you and i'll say no but if it's good for you then enjoy Well, and so why we're, why we're on that, because we do have to wrap this up, which sadly I have to say, but I do want to, I do want to put this out there right now. Nellie, you have started this movement. It's the hashtag feel it on the first movement. So this is about women taking pictures of themselves. You have a video on your site about this. So I'm calling out there all you women. And you know what? Guys too. Absolutely. Guys too. Let's touch our chest. Let's touch our breasts. You know, touch it, take a picture of it, hashtag it, and throw it out there to the universe. This is how we're going to spread the love. Exactly. Right? This is how we have to spread the love. So everybody out there, do that. Please remember this is Daffodil Month. It's uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and we have to all band together. So Let's take those pictures. We're going to take that right after the show in front of the CJAD thing. I'm calling out there to my producers, Lara and Fernando. We're all going to touch our own breasts, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and and hashtag it. So thank you so much. This was fun, eh, Ermelinda? I tell you, I, after this this session, I because I, I, it was almost like therapy, I think yeah. awareness is the new sexy. Yeah, yeah. awareness <laughs> is the new sexy. So, um Great. Thank you both. Nellie Augustin, um, we can get your e-guide. It's Chemo Secrets online and your blog, nellie.ca. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. And congratulations, by the way, on uh, your award that's coming up later on. Uh, thank you. And Karen Malkin Lazorovitz. I, I love the fact that I can say that all the time. It's like a tongue twister <laughs> for me. But not being a tongue twister, um, you are also a great advocate for people who have to make tough decisions because some of us just have to go through things and others have to make a decision. And you made that decision and now you're really supporting women out there um, to make those decisions for themselves. And um, Bravo. 
Bravo thank to you. you. And thank you. thank you so much. Your your site also and your motion is out there. Your movement is out there. It's global now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so. There's a support group online called the BRCA Sisterhood for uh, anyone dealing with any type of hereditary mutations and those decisions. It's the largest support group in the world now online. That's amazing. And so you can reach out there. It's private. It's women only right now. And it's I'm out there. Yeah, well, you can find them both online and see their beautiful faces, their beautiful bald heads, their breasts. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) and it's okay to say that too, okay? Yeah. (laughs) All right. You're listening to Soul in the City on CJAD 800. You're listening to Solo in the City with Cheryl Vesner on News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. This is your guide to getting social and finding love in Montreal. Welcome back to Soul in the City and welcome again to my co-host for this evening, CJAD's very own Ermelinda Boker. You know, I one of my favorite things about your show is the great events that you talk about for oh. people. It's not your typical, you know, f- sort of singles, you know, buffet. Yeah. <laughs> it's, no. it's it's they're they're just the, the width and breadth of, of the of the things that you have to offer are so exciting including, I do believe, a dog walk for singles coming there up There is a dog walk. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Yes. Well, because, you know, we, we, we try and show people how to connect. As I was saying earlier yeah. in the show about connecting with themselves, connecting to people who can help them connect, and the events, because that's how we really meet new people. So there's a variety. And Montreal, the beauty of it is there's so much out there on the English side, on the French side, and we just have to take advantage of it all. And just, especially now, it's springtime. Oh, yeah. I know. So just getting out there, going for a walk, take your dog to the dog walk and meet, you know, <laughs> take your neighbor's dog. You know, people people joke about the fact that, you know, sometimes men take straight children to the Oh, yeah, the, I know. I've heard about that. But anyway, I love this part. Yeah, so you know, I'm, I'm going to start off actually with tomorrow, okay. Sunday. This is um, a big day tomorrow, all around Montreal. You can go to eventbrite.ca to check this out. It's called the Big City Cleanup. So there's different parks all over the place, and you can go. They give you garbage bags, and it's all about cleaning up the city. So. Grab a you know pair of rubber gloves if you want, but you know choose a park that's near you or choose a park that's not near you. And while you're giving back to community, you're meeting a lot of new people. So I think that would be a fun activity, actually. And great for exercise as well, too. Bending and picking up, bending and picking up. It's good for everybody. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And there's another event uh, that's happening on Tuesday night, actually. It's called Biz Montreal, and this also you can sign up through Eventbrite. And Biz Montreal is for entrepreneurs and you know if you're business minded um, it's an it's a no-brainer to go out there and meet other business people share your experiences and you know your businesses and what it is that you want to create in life and it gives you a topic of conversation and an introduction to something that you know about which is your business and uh, you never know who you can meet there as well so you know sometimes you have to think outside of the box as to how you can meet people and don't just think about the dating world. Well, we were saying earlier, it's good to meet people with common interests, and a lot of people are interested in business, and what better way to meet somebody with a like mind? That's right. That's it. And then, you know, if we go back to the dating world, per se, you have Cook and Date is having something on Thursday night. It's at 7 p.m. It's an Asian fusion. Mm. Love this concept. A group of people getting together, cooking, always great wines on hand, so um, that's a fantastic one. This is for ages 30 to 45 this week. 
week. So great night. Then you also have some speed dating. There's a mix and mingle at Shake a Cafe on Sherbrooke. It's 20 men and 20 women um, getting together Friday night at 7 p.m. So there's a cost to this one. It's $15, but and it's a really cute cafe, by the way. I don't know if you know this. It's in the no, I don't. But it sounds like a blast. It's 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 a lot of fun, and again, very you know easygoing. And then, as you were saying, the SBCA they are having a single for the cause. Bring out your dogs, get together. This is happening actually on the 26th, so it's the following mm-hmm. week. We're giving you some advance notice, but sometimes with fundraisers, you have to buy your tickets Absolutely. in advance, otherwise it gets sold out. Um, bring your dog have some fun there's going to be great food there and support a great cause and you know what i find if you're a pet person that is a great way to meet somebody you got to be with if you're a pet person you you have to be with a pet person yeah and now we have been talking today all about you know dating through illness and i am very happy to introduce andre bellu he's the spokesperson for canadian cancer society and we're talking about daffodil month so welcome to the show Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure, pleasure. So tell us some of the events that people can go out and uh, participate in uh, for the rest of the month. Well, there's different, uh, I mean, depending where you live, obviously, you you know, the, with the regional offices we have across the province, I mean, people can do a series of activities. The biggest one we had, I mean, unfortunately, it's already happened, which, we, you know, we sold the flowers. I don't know if you saw the two million daffodils that we had to sell, you know, last week from the 7th to the 10th. Yeah, they were um, everywhere. Beautiful. They were everywhere. Yeah, there was, you know, this this activity alone, you know, requires the the, the, the involvement of 10,000 volunteers. So it's a lot of people we have to, you know, get in, asked to take time for selling these flowers. But it raises $2 million dollars. Which That's goes, amazing. you know, for research, support, and prevention, which is so important because cancer is now the leading cause of death in the country, and with the aging population, it's going to increase, you know, and we're going to see more and more cancer cases uh, by the year 2030. So, you know, well, they say they they say the it's around two in five Canadians will develop cancer in their lifetimes, right? Well, these are the numbers, actual numbers for not today, but. In the future, we think it's going to be one in two. You know, fifty wow. percent of the population will at least have one cancer in their lifetime because now with medical uh, advancements, we survive cancer, and it may well mean that you may be affected by more than one cancer through your lifetime. So we have to think about that. We have to make sure that people are well taken care of. You know, uh, not just you know before they get cancer, during, but really after afterwards too. You know. So if somebody wants to contribute to Daffodil Month, um, how can they do that, Andre? Well, they certainly can go to our website, you know, cancer.ca. They can see there how they can be involved. I mean, um, you know, there, we always need volunteers for a series of activities we do throughout the year. I know earlier you were just talking about, you know, people who have dogs. I mean, for instance, we have these paws for Ope walk, you know, in September. So for people who love dog, I mean, they can go for a walk with their dog and, and, and take part of that activity which raises, you know, dollars for cancer and meet other people. That that's dogs, what we, that's you know? so like that's that. way. We like that. <laughs> sure. And, well, you know, and we have 30,000 volunteers involved with the Canadian Cancer Society, this, you know, every year. So someone who is involved with us may well meet other people. And, uh, and we have so many, you know, um, volunteers that are 
some of them obviously have been directly affect, touched by cancer. They, you know, they survive the illness and the message they bring, you know, the right. hope. Uh, this, they're so vibrant, you know. I, I, every day I meet these people and really it, it does for me, I mean, this makes a big difference in my work on a daily basis. Well, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Andre, for sharing everything that's going on about um, the Daffodil Month and um, about the Canadian Cancer Society. Um, for all of you, again, you can go and donate online. Irma Linda, thank you so much for co-hosting with me today on this very special show. You are an amusement park of a woman. I will get on this ride anytime. <laughs> okay, well, I appreciate that. So join us next week on Solo in the City. We're here every Saturday at 10 p.m. on News Talk Radio, CJAD 800. And remember to keep integrating social solutions because we all know it's all about the kiss. See you next week. <laughs>